This is Sandy Clough and Chandro Tar on Mile High Sports. Welcome back to the show. It is a football Friday. Thank goodness, right? I mean, it's been a uh, it's been a big week because the Broncos have an immensely important game coming up tomorrow. Joining us to talk about it is our good friend Justin Adams. You can find him at CBS News Colorado, of course. At Justin Adams TV is the handle on social. And Justin, thank you for joining us. Uh, you like me are an, a native Colorado kid, and and we've obviously watched the way that this team has gone for a very long time. Uh, Sandy was breaking it down and made the very good point. This is probably the most consequential game the Denver Broncos have had since the second to last game of the 2015 season when they beat a 11 and four Cincinnati team in overtime and then Hmm. never lost again on their way to Super Bowl 50. But this is really, I mean, that was 2015. This is the most important game since then. It's kind of fun in December. First and foremost, it's kind of fun to have a Denver Broncos game in mid December that matters. It really is. And, Sandy, you know, I, you always are right, my man. But this might be the one time, the one time I would say that you're wrong. How about what happened on Christmas Day in 2016 when the Broncos were beaten oh, beaten to shreds against the Kansas City Chiefs at Arrowhead? And that's the game where I think it's Don Terry Poe and whatnot. He uh, had the big man touchdown pass and whatnot, and that actually took out the Broncos from the playoff race. That Other officially that game, eliminated that them. That did. Yeah, that but – that put them out of their misery, too. That was Thank a God, wounded right? animal that needed yeah. to be put out of its misery that lost four of its last six games. It was mm-hmm. trending down. This team is trending up. Oh, my goodness. As it, the it, it 2015 team, starting with that great comeback win over Cincinnati on that Monday night in week 16 of the yeah. 2015 season, that that springboarded them uh, all the way to the top of the AFC, the number one seed. If they had not been a number one seed, they never would have won the Super Bowl that year, in my opinion. My favorite part of this is one of you guys is arguing the most important game in seven years is one of the most important game in eight years. The point is, it's been a while, guys. And and now the Broncos have a game that actually matters here. Uh, You know, had they been able to beat Houston, it would have been uh, obviously a, a better situation, but you don't obviously win them all. They have won six out of seven. It's hard to complain about that. And, and uh, we've been having this discussion all week. Detroit is a good football team. They look a little off kilter right now. They're not a disaster, but they look a little off kilter. Do you think the Broncos are catching them at the right time? They are catching them at the right time, but at the same time, the Lions understand that if they don't win this game, they could possibly lose a division, which is kind of weird to say when you talk about a Minnesota Vikings team that just won a game last week, three to nothing, but... Three out of the last, or two out of the last three games, the Lions will play after they play the Broncos, will be against the Vikings. And then you mix in between there having to take on the Dallas Cowboys. And we know just how good that team is. And honestly, guys, we have to start talking about the Cowboys as possibly being a team that could really be in the Super Bowl. Like, this can actually happen. They have all the pieces. But when you look at the Lions, they will look at this game and say, if we don't win this game, you go and take on the Vikings, and if somehow Minnesota wins that game and you play Dallas, you're looking at the final game of the season where you take it on Minnesota, albeit not with their starting quarterback, their third-string quarterback, in yeah. a winner-take-all type of situation. You do not want to be in that type of a situation. So this is a huge game for the Lions, and I feel that the Broncos did catch them at the right time, but at the end of the day, it all depends on who shows up 
the best in a game like this. And the Broncos have to have their running game if they're going to win this game. Yeah, the story in Detroit all week is how Goff and Hutchinson and their stars have to play better, and they're getting Gardner Johnson back this week, which I mm-hmm. guess is a minor miracle since he um, injured his pack in the, the second game of the year, week two, and that's usually a season ender. But uh, he's he's going to come back, and he's going to play, and he's uh, one of the better safeties around, at least in uh, the NFC. But I wanted to ask you, uh, as an old tight end, first about the fact that the Broncos are flourishing, uh, even on offense to an extent, in recent weeks, with their tight ends having caught 29 passes all year. Count them, 29 in 13 games. That's barely two catches per game out of the tight end position. Uh, Last week, uh, Kroll had a big catch for 35 yards, but do you think at some point in trying to diversify this offense, they need to include the tight ends a little more and somehow get the ball to uh, tight ends uh, who, for this week, uh, as a group, activated for game day, will not include Greg Dulcich? Yeah, and I think they will, but the reality is they don't have the right personnel to do so. Um, Greg Dulcich, as we see and as we know, is a guy that could attack the middle of the field. But this is another part of the game that's not being exposed with the Broncos' offense, especially in their passing game, is their intermediate passing. They don't throw the ball really over the middle a lot. What they do is they focus a lot on running the football, trying to keep things as third and shirt as possible, and then, hey, Russ, if you don't see your number one guy or maybe even your number two guy, run and pick up the first down, and then near midfield we're going to go deep. That's pretty much what we have seen from this team. Not a lot of intermediate passing. Now, there has been times where a wide receiver will be open over the middle or will be open on a drag route or whatnot, but we haven't seen Russ being consistent in hitting that type of receiver, especially that type of route combination. So that's something that will have to change. I figure it will change once the personnel gets better, especially from the tight end position with Greg Dulcich hopefully coming back. Do you have to wait that long to start using the middle of the field, though? I mean, can can there be more slants with the wide receiver? Can there be more ways to use the slot receiver? The, the Broncos have kind of just sort of surrendered that middle part of the field. And granted, uh, over Russell Wilson's career, that's his weakest place. And because of his height, it's hard for him to be able to stay in the pocket and still hit guys in the middle of the field. But... Uh, Given the fact that you don't have the personnel for that, there's two ways of thinking, right? You can either say, well, we can't do that, so we're not going to try. Or, well, we can't do that. How else can we get to it? Do you think the Broncos have enough to be able to maybe utilize the middle of the field in a way we haven't seen yet? I really don't think so, to be honest with you, Sean. I mean, when was the last time we seen a dig route hit over the middle? Mm -hmm. And a dig route being, you know, run up about 10 to 15 yards and then either go to your left or go to your right, run over the middle of the field and catch the ball. When, When was the last time we've seen that? We haven't. But we see a lot of drag routes where there might be something that goes from one side of the field, one hash to the other hash, and that's what we see like against Cleveland where Cortland Sutton was able to go and get a big play like that in the first drive against the Browns. We have seen different plays like that. Even Jerry Judy, which I know is a sore subject, he was wide open against the Houston Texans several times on routes like that. What it takes is Russ being comfortable and Russ just trusting the play trusting that the play will open up and delivering the football. And some of that, too, is, hey, you got to take a chance on some of these passes as well. And I get it. You want to protect the football, but there are plays to be made down in the middle of the field. The Broncos have been successful with the way that they have been playing on offense, 
running the football, taking the shots when it's there, and being able to keep the games close and winning from there. But in the playoffs, if you're going to get to the postseason and have a postseason run, you better believe that when teams are looking at every game that you have played this year and they're looking at all the different tape, you better find a way how to attack the middle of the field if you want to have a postseason run. Ask you about the defense a little bit because we were talking about this before, how in the first five games, for various reasons, Vance Joseph was very, very reluctant to send one or more additional pass rushers. Uh, Five-plus rushers were used more than seven times in a game, only twice in the first five weeks of the season. In the last eight games, the Broncos have sent five rushers or more ten or more times in six of the eight games, and in two of the last three, they've sent five or more at least 18 times, including last Sunday in Los Angeles against the Chargers. Against a quarterback who splits between how he performs out of a clean pocket and how he performs under pressure are probably about as great as any quarterback in the league. Shouldn't we expect to see those extra pass rushers coming at least 20 times tomorrow night? Yeah, especially when you don't have Nick Bonito that will be in the lineup. He's the guy who leads your team in sacks. And hopefully P.J. Locke will be able to play because we know just how good he is as a blitzer, so hopefully he'll be able to play. But Jaquan McMillan, that's the guy who's really been a revelation for this team, and he's one of the best blitzers on this team. So you have to make sure that he is able to go and be in the game and be able to blitz as well. My only reservation is this, and again, you have to go and play the way that you are, right? You have to go and get after uh, the Lions tomorrow night. But if you don't get after Jarrett Goff and he's able to get the ball out of his hands quickly, look, the Lions have a really good tight end. We know that the Broncos historically – haven't covered tight ends well, where the Lions have one of the best in the business. And then they also have a guy who's really kind of a, you know, a jack-of-all-trades in wide receiver. Uh, not wide receiver, but in uh, your running back in uh, Jamar Gibbs. Yep. This guy can catch the football and you take bet. it to the house, right? And so if you put Gibbs, let's say, on an Alex Singleton or a Josie Jewell, that's not a matchup that you really want all day. So you got to make sure that if you do send that extra rusher, that you do account for the other guys with the right personnel in order to do so. With this Broncos team, that there is a, a, I guess when you look at a lot of the roster, and we're talking to Justin Adams of CBS News Colorado, Justin Adams TV on social media. One of the problems when you're talking about the most consequential game in either seven seasons or eight seasons is, except for Justin Simmons, who's been here for all of those uh, for the most part since 2016. You have a a roster that does not have a lot of playoff wins on their resume, championships on their resume, a lot of guys that are are in this sort of pressure situation for the first time. For coaches, for a guy like Vance Joseph, who knows that this team needs to bring the heat and make sure you don't make mistakes, how hard is it to work with guys who don't have that experience compared to the guys that do? Well, you just tell them, hey, the guys who maybe not don't have that experience is you've been a champion somewhere. Patrick Sertan, you won a championship, albeit yes in college, but you've been a champion before. Bring that same type of effort now. That's what you really go to as a coach and as a motivator really is. You say, guys, you've been a champion at different areas of your life. Who cares if it was peewee football or when you were in high school? You've been a champion somewhere. You played in the playoffs somewhere. You understand the type of intensity that you have to have. And oh, by the way, if we're very honest, 
these guys have pretty much been in the playoffs for like the last seven weeks, right? <laughs> I mean, they've pretty much Good been point. there since they were one and five. And so you just continue to go back and you say, guys, you have put yourself in this position because we know for the last seven years, you have put yourself in a position where these games don't matter. Now these games do matter. And the reason why they do is because you guys have played well. As Justin Simmons said this week, pressure is a privilege. And that's what these guys need to understand is that the pressure that you're going to feel tomorrow night, that is a privilege because of the hard work that you've done. If you want to have more pressure on you next week for an opportunity to go and start to get closer to that playoff spot, get closer to clinching a playoff spot, then you got to get a win in the Motor City. I want to ask you about some of these players because as you're talking, uh, you know, I, I trust some of these guys, even if they're quote unquote inexperienced for the way they perform for the last two months. I'm talking about Fabian Moreau starting mm-hmm. at corner opposite Sertan. I'm talking about Jaquan McMillan, who's your nickel cornerback now. I'm talking about uh, Mike Purcell coming back from injury. I'm talking about DJ Jones sliding over from nose tackle uh, to attack gaps now, Baron Browning's return. But I'm also talking about guys like, oh, Jonathan Harris, who is part of that defensive line rotation. The only constant seemingly on the defensive line is Zach Allen. Everybody else has kind of rotated in there, kept fresh. And, you know, Harris plays 50% of the snaps. Jones plays 48% of the snaps. Purcell plays 38% of the snaps. But the, the, to me, they're all key guys as second or third linemen. And those two guys in the secondary, Moreau and McMillan, I trust them. I don't care how inexperienced they are. I trust them because they played well for two months. Sandy, can I give you one more name that we're missing? Would you believe that we could trust Jonathan Cooper? I mean, a guy who was a seventh-round pick, and we're trusting this guy in a playoff situation on the road in prime time and saying, hey, this is a guy who could seal the edge on one side as well. And he's a starter. But this is really what this team is all about. And, look, I, I say this. No, I don't, I don't say this lightly, but there's a feeling sometimes that you get when you think about this team and kind of the 97 Broncos in the sense of all these guys who were low draft picks or were discarded one place or were free agent signings one, one area or another, and they're now starting to step up. But you have guys who are undrafted free agents who are stepping up in huge spots and are now making plays. You just hope that whatever magic that they have continues to go on, especially when you take on Detroit. But if they can win this game, you look at the final three games for the Broncos, they're going to play all backups. And look, you take on the Patriots, and we know whatever Bill Belichick does, he likes to muck things up with his defense. But you'll have that game at home. We've seen just how bad the Chargers are. I mean, heck, my daughter right now who's laying on my chest, she could be able to beat the Chargers right right now. And so you should be able to win those type of games. But it's all about what these unsung heroes have been able to do with the Broncos' defense, have been able to step up and to play their best in times where they really need it. Here's one stat, guys, when we look at the Broncos' defense that's really interesting to me. The last time that the Broncos' defense has given up 23 or more points was against Zach Wilson and the New York Jets going back to October 8th. That's the last time they've given up that many points. They have been dominant, and there's a reason why they've been winning. 
He is Justin Adams. Make sure you give him a follow on social. Justin Adams TV is the handle. That soothing voice can keep a child asleep on his chest while he's doing a radio hit. I mean, that's a set of skills. So make sure you give Justin a follow. Check out everything he's putting together over at CBS News Colorado. You can catch him there doing just about everything. He's always all over the place. It's always great to talk to Justin. So appreciate all the insight. And uh, uh, this is fun. We're going to talk about actually football that means something in December. Thanks. It's a blessing, guys. Hey, always a pleasure. And, hey, can we say this? Go Broncos. Let's get a W this time. Let's do this. All right. Thanks, Justin. Appreciate it. All right. See you guys. Okay. Well, there, there is, I mean, yeah, the, the, there's a lot going on. And the Broncos have an opportunity to put themselves firmly in the playoff position, as you pointed out at the beginning of the show, Sandy. About a 65% chance of making yeah, it where they Yeah, that's ESPN's uh, FBI calculation, the football power index, that a win would give the Broncos a 65% chance to make the playoffs. And even a loss wouldn't be a death knell. They'd have slightly better than a 3-10 chance of making the playoffs. But what uh, Justin was hitting at with the Lions, believe it or not, they have a two-game lead right now over Minnesota and a three-game lead over Green Bay. And I believe a four-game lead over Chicago in the NFC North. The Lions would be, with a win, 90% certain of winning the division. However, with a loss, not even a three and four chance of winning the division. Isn't that amazing? So a loss would hurt the Lions almost as much as a loss would hurt the Broncos. Although the Lions are going for first place and the Broncos are going for a wild card. Realistically. Yeah. Realistically. Uh, realistically. It is obviously a very big uh, game going on this weekend. There are others, by the way. Colorado has a chance to have two more champions this weekend. I'll explain how that might occur next on My Life Sports. Sandy Clough and Chandro Tar, presented by Superbook Sports. Download the Superbook app and start winning today at Superbook.com. Here's Sean and Sandy. Well, the Denver Broncos, of course, have a monumental game with the Detroit Lions tomorrow, but tomorrow is loaded with an opportunity for Colorado sports to excel. Of course, the Colorado School of Mines will go for their, uh, they will be in their second consecutive national championship game for a D2, and then they will have an opportunity as the top seed to win the championship, put a capstone on John Matoka, the quarterback's uh, unprecedented collegiate career. They'll take on uh, Harding, who, uh, no slaps themselves, set the collegiate football record for rushing yards this year with over 5,600. <laughs> I mean, think of that number. <laughs> Mind-boggling. They averaged more than 400 Mind yards per game on the ground. Boggling. 400. Think of what Air Force does, and then basically double it. That's what uh, Hardy does. Almost. Yeah, almost double it. Yikes. Yeah. Uh, on average. And uh, the truth of the matter is, Mines Five is quite Five All-Americas yeah. on the yeah. Mines team. Right. Five. Mines is still considered the favorite despite that, but this is going to be a, a heavyweight fight. And, uh, boy, I hope I hope they get Look, two, two years in a row in the national championship game, you'd love to see them get this one. Uh, it, it, the, the program they're running at Mines is simply extraordinary. And what they've put together there it has been able to 
last. I mean, that there's been even recent changeovers in coaches. If coaches have been promoted, and they continue to, to roll through and continue to play extraordinarily well. You know, Pete Sturbeck now running the show there. And uh, it, it's hard in D2 to do much better than what Mines is doing right now. And they will play that game, by the way. That will be uh, 11 a.m. tomorrow, and you will be able to catch that on ESPNU if you get it. So that game will be televised. You'll be able to see that Division II national championship between Mines and Harding, and that's going to be a, a, a terrific game. I mean, I love, I love Mines' chances. They're, I do, they too. Are, they're experienced. We talked about experience just a couple minutes ago. Well, you we got Justin a fifth-year player at quarterback who was John's a fifth-year yeah. player. And in the national championship game last year and an opportunity to get it done. So, I mean, hopefully for Mines, uh, that ends up working out for the best. It looks good. They, I mean, they're the top seed for a reason. That night, of course, is the, the Broncos will be playing. The UFC will also be having uh, its matchup. UFC uh, this weekend will be 296. And it's worth noting, by the way, in case in case you didn't know, I think a lot of people do know, but maybe other people don't. UFC 1, back in 1993, was held in McNichol Sports Arena. It got its start right here. And ever since, there I has remember. been a lot of uh, MMA places where, where folks work. There's, Colorado has been a place where they train. A lot of uh, MMA contenders have had their career built out of Denver, but... No one from Denver has ever won a belt. And there is an opportunity to do so tomorrow. Denver native Brandon Royval will take on Alexandra Pantoja tomorrow as the champ. Royval would be the first ever champion. At age 31. Coming out of Denver. He had an opportunity to to talk right here on Mile High Sports. For you MMA fans or ones that are getting into it, by the way, every Tuesday at noon, MMA plug, Jordan Kurtz and his squad do a great job of breaking down the latest there. Uh, and, and they had a chance to talk to Roy Vall coming into this while he was training and talked about what it would mean to be the first Colorado native son to hold a belt. I feel like me getting this done and me winning, being one of the first people from Denver to go win a belt and bring a belt home is representing that. It's just like, you know, anything's possible, man. There's, there's no limit on this life. There is no cap. There is no... And nothing's unreachable, and uh, and I know if I could do it, I'm not athletic. I never really, I, I ne- nobody would ever told me when I was younger that I was gonna be a professional athlete. I would have laughed, you know, and uh, everybody around me would have laughed too. But there really is no cap on this life. If you if you want something and you're gonna go for it, then go for it wholeheartedly. And I feel like that's what I could represent, and that's what I do represent. And it's like, uh, and that's what I would be happy to go represent in this Colorado in Denver and, and all the above is just like just take aim and take aim and shoot and go for it, you know, go for it. The interesting thing to me about Brandon too, and Mark Kislai has a terrific column in the post today on uh, Brandon uh, Royale, but he grew up with dreams of being a boxer, mm-hmm. flyweight boxer. Right. And he's fighting now MMA for the flyweight title, 125 pounds. But Almost felt at first a little guilty that MMA seemed kind of gimmicky uh, to him and that he wanted to be a boxer and he felt he was cheating his dream in a way by (laughs) pursuing uh, something other than boxing. But now we know that in many ways this is supplanted boxing. I'm old fashioned, but the the notion of uh, days of my youth a great heavyweight title bout 
being a landmark day on the sports calendar in any year. That's past. That that doesn't exist anymore. Yeah, I, I don't think it does. And, and, and some of that is self-inflicted, I think, when you're talking about the nature of, of what's gone on with boxing. And, and obviously now we're, you know, we're talking about UFC 1 starting in Denver. We're at UFC 296. Uh, Royval at this point with an opportunity there. And he, uh, you know, obviously being pretty nice about that. I never thought he was athletic. I'm like, uh, I don't know well, about that. Yeah. But, <laughs> he's a world-class athlete. But, but, I, but I get Brandon the point. Is a and his point is that he's he's been a guy that, that – uh, just he's he's worked his way into it, and uh, he, he's a guy that brings a lot of power in the strikes. He is a guy that that goes with the his attack rates are are significantly high. His takedown rates are high. Uh, he's great in the standing game, as you can imagine, because as you talked about before, uh, a guy that has has started with boxing. When you're talking about the the signature strikes, the way they track it, uh, when when Royval is is standing and swinging, it's at seventy eight percent where he's he's getting those strikes in. So he he's the boxing. Uh, still comes through, but but he's a guy that can get it done as well. He's won nine of his matches in his career by submission. It, it, the the story that I liked the most in the Kisla column today was the story about how when he was growing up, he'd fight, train with his brother, and they'd keep going at it until he dislocated his shoulder, and then the brother would pop the shoulder back in place, and they'd go eat dinner. <laughs> Oh man, that's a, that's that's the kind of stuff kids do, right? Dedication, but it is dedication, and and good for him. Exciting to see that opportunity as well. He'll be taken on the champ, as I mentioned, Alexandra Pantoja, and uh, yeah, it's it's going to be a, a a tough a tough matchup. But this is the opportunity. This is what he's gone the whole career to get to, and you you hope you have an opportunity to get that and bring a belt back to to Denver. Obviously, it means something to him as well growing up here and, and getting that opportunity for because the, the history here with UFC is actually quite rich, especially when you're talking about folks that have trained out here have been champions. Uh, Holly Holm cha- uh, trained out of here. Uh, Henry Cejudo is for a long time trained out of Colorado Springs. Uh, there are a lot of folks that have trained out of Colorado because of the altitude, obviously, and the opportunity there to, to function. But uh, out of all these, all these belts, all these championships, nobody from Denver, this is the first crack at it. So hopefully for uh, Royval, he can get it done because he has gotten and done it uh, the hard way, but if you are going to tune in and, and get that pay-per-view, uh, make sure you don't miss it early because in his 15 wins, 10 of them have come in the first round. <laughs> he gets the job done. I think this may go a little longer. It probably will uh, because, uh, yeah, Pantoja's defending champ is obviously going to be a guy that, uh, that 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 knows exactly what he's doing, and it, it should be a lot of fun. So good luck to, to Brandon Royval as well and Mines getting it done uh, this weekend. You know, there could be a terrific sports weekend in Colorado, and such a fun opportunity, I guess, again, with with uh, with this program here where we get to talk about, look, everything, right? All of it. Cover all of it. And look, these these opportunities for this championship for Mines, uh, that's, that's a college championship. That's a college football championship. It's a big deal. They have an opportunity to take that in, as we talked a little bit with Aaron Anderson yesterday at Fox 31, and you can catch any of the shows that you missed over at MileHighSports.com or on the Mile High Sports app. Uh, we talked about John Matoko. If you've uh, met and spoken to at the Colorado Sports Hall of Fame. Uh, a, a guy that is, by the way, you know, there are college quarterbacks that put up numbers. He's the leading touchdown getter, yeah. both as a passer and as overall in the history of college football. And as I mentioned yesterday, slightly different than others because he is a fifth-year guy, but he's using that fifth year to get his master's in computer science because <laughs> he's already got the, the bachelor's. He's getting the master's this year. And uh, I, I would say this. 
if I'm the Broncos or a lot of NFL teams, he's not going to get drafted. But I call and see if he wants to show up and go through a couple OTAs and see what happens. I would. Because when, when you have that kind of consistent talent and that consistent performance, uh, why wouldn't you? When, when you look at what's happened with guys in, in D2, you look at Carson Wentz or you look at Trey Lance, uh, why not John Matoka? I mean, why wouldn't you? So hopefully that goes well for uh, them as well, both for Royval and for Mines. A terrific opportunity to uh, have a, a tremendous, tremendous sports weekend. The Avalanche, by the way, also have games uh, back-to-back this weekend. They play the Jets in Winnipeg tomorrow, and then they will come back to Denver where they'll take on the Sharks on Sunday night as well. The Avs starting to look pretty good. So it's, it's a big uh, sports weekend in Colorado, but of course the Denver Broncos end up being the team where you're going to pay the most attention to. And there's an opportunity, by the way, with all of this, just saying, if you like, you know, I mentioned a um, lot of uh, sports-related activities. If you're one of those folks who uh, are interested in a little basic, a couple wagers here and there, well, Superbook Sports is the place to do it. Refer a friend and earn a $50 bonus this season with Superbook Sports. Superbook's the most trusted name in sports wagering, and you don't want to miss the Refer a Friend bonus. All you need to do is click on the Refer a Friend link under your profile in the Superbook app, share the promo code with friends, and you'll get a $50 bonus for everyone who registers using your code. More friends, more money for you, more money for them. So win money wagering and win money referring this season with Superbook Sports. Visit Superbook.com for terms and conditions. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. As we turn our attention back to the Broncos, Sandy, we'll take a look at our picks of what we think will happen, but we'll also let you know on a football Sunday, Broncos play tomorrow, what are the games you want to pay attention to the most? What games will affect the Broncos' standings? We'll break them all down for you next on Mile High Sports. Is Sandy Clough and Chandro Tar on Mile High Sports? Denver Broncos have a well, say it's a big game is understating it. If the Broncos really want to be able to look at their last three games and say the playoffs are completely under their control, they need to win this game. Sandy gave you the ESPN odds: it's about sixty-five percent if they win, about thirty percent if they lose. Of course. That means a lot of other things, of course, have to happen because, as we know, when the Broncos were 1-5, the odds on making the playoffs by that same metric was about 3%. Now it's quite a bit better than that, so you're in charge of that. So for the Broncos now, against the Lions, they're the ones in control, and they have an opportunity to control their own destiny. Sandy, in this game in particular, uh, before we get to the Broncos themselves, because we know that the Broncos are going to play on Saturday night. There are three games on Saturday. The Broncos are the third of the triple header. The Steelers, uh, Vikings and Bengals started off Steelers and Colts, Broncos and Lions. Now the Vikings, the, the interesting thing is these games, all of those matter because look at this. We know the Broncos are seven and six. The Bengals, seven and six. The Steelers, seven and six. The Colts, seven and six. I mean, Saturday, these are uh, alone huge differentiators for the Broncos playoff chances. Of course they are. And the Broncos could conceivably go into their game on Saturday night if the home teams win. And they're both favored, the Bengals and Colts. Cincinnati favored by three. The Colts are favored by a point and a half. 
they could go in behind, since they're already behind Indy, but they could be trailing uh, Cincinnati, a team that, uh, again, conceivably could, uh, could leapfrog them uh, with a win, would leapfrog them with a win. In fact, with a win, Cincinnati would go all the way from 10th place to sixth place. The Broncos are ahead of them right now because purely of best, and this is how far it goes down when there's a bazillion seven and six teams, it's best win percentage in conference games. So the, the Bengals and the Broncos, neither of whom are playing conference games. The Bengals are hosting the Vikings. And so it doesn't change that. So the Broncos, if the Broncos hold serve, they'll be ahead of the Bengals no matter what the Bengals do. Yes. But they have to win. But they have to win. In the, other, in the other game, it, that's an interesting one because right now, both the Steelers and the Colts are ahead of the Broncos. Whoever loses, again, where the Broncos Would to be win. behind the Broncos, the Broncos at least. The Broncos can jump them. Uh, with a Bronco win. Right. Yes. So now they have an opportunity to jump one of those as well. Both of these teams, the Steelers and the Colts, are ahead of the Broncos. And whoever wins will remain ahead of the Broncos because they'll, yeah. have, an, they'll have a conference win. Pivotal game. So you can't the- catch the winner, but you can pass the loser. And you can stay ahead of the Bengals even if they win. This is why the odds are so big on on that swing of 65 to 30 if the Broncos win or lose. Because some of these things they could stay ahead of or jump ahead of. But if they lose, all of a sudden, if you think about it that way, and we're just talking about the Saturday games, if they were to lose this game, no matter who loses the Colts and Steelers games, they'll still be behind them. And, of course, they'll be behind the winner because that winner will have then a win in hand. So that's a problem. And if if the Bengals were to also hold on, then the Bengals jump over the, the Broncos. The Broncos find themselves in a tough spot. And that's just that's just Saturday. Of all the seven and six teams now in the AFC alone, we're talking about half a dozen teams out of the sixteen in the AFC that are seven and six. Amazing. Exactly seven and six. Pittsburgh, Indy, Houston, Denver, Cincinnati, Buffalo. I would say right now on form. Pittsburgh's the worst. I agree with uh, that. Indy, Houston without its quarterback, I I think it's maybe Buffalo playing the best, followed by Denver and Cincinnati. But, boy, Denver and Cincinnati are very close, mm-hmm. the difference being that Cincinnati's doing it with Jake Browning. But Jake Browning has been around and now is getting an opportunity. And if Joshua Dobbs could look good, for a few weeks in both Arizona this year, early in the season, and around midseason in Minnesota for a few weeks. Well, already. I know he's since been demoted. Well, I know, but, that's but, it, but I'm saying if good. he could look good for, I don't know, a month. Yeah. Okay. Why can't Jake Brown hang on for another few weeks and continue to play well for Cincinnati? There's no reason he can't. The Broncos' advantage is that they are in a good position relative to Cincinnati. They have a tiebreaker over Buffalo. Now, they don't have the tiebreaker on Houston, but who knows how long Stroud will be out. Right. It doesn't seem likely he'll play this week. He won't clear concussion protocol in time to play. Then you got Indy with a backup quarterback. You have Pittsburgh with a backup quarterback. And with, uh, last I looked, T.J. Watt in concussion protocol. Mm-hmm. May, may or may not play tomorrow night um, or tomorrow afternoon. And, yeah, it's a short week, especially for traveling teams. It's 
it's a factor. And I think it might tilt things a little bit in Detroit's direction. Uh, I like Detroit to win this game, uh, but it wouldn't take much to flip it. And I think, again, the magic numbers for Denver, at least four sacks and at least one pass interception in the ballgame. It's so critical to win this game because we went over those Saturdays. Look, the, the, the Browns are a game ahead. They play the Bears. Uh, the Bears are certainly playing quite a bit better, so I guess there's a puncher's chance, but I, I suspect the Browns win that. They're a game ahead anyway. The Texans may very well lose to the Titans, who look pretty good with Will Levis. And Davis. we've seen Davis Mills to the Texans, and it's not the yeah, same team. They, they, they can drop Levis off. blows hot and cold. He does. Uh, emotionally and technically. And including within the span of a single game yes, as well. as he did against Miami. He was awful right. early and great late. And you're fortunate to have a Bills team that is playing well, but it has to host the Cowboys. Yes, uh, but Buffalo likes hosting December games when favored. it's about 10 degrees yeah, they're still outside, favored. which is likely to be uh, the temperature or thereabouts in Buffalo on Sunday. Yeah, it's going to be a, and, a cold, uh, cold game. if I'm not mistaken, it's a uh, late game. It is. It's in the afternoon. So, two, yeah, 225 start here, 425 start there in yeah. Buffalo. So, it's going to be cold. But at least, you know, in that case, the Bills are playing uh, against a team that certainly you could – it's not difficult to envision the Cowboys winning that game. No, but it's also the way Buffalo's been playing. I'll tell you, Buffalo played a great game against Philadelphia a few weeks back, and it was really almost a case of Philadelphia since that game looking like it's run out of gas a little bit or is leaking oil. Maybe that's a better way of putting it. That game took a lot out of Philadelphia. Yeah, they won. But it seemed to kind of ignite Buffalo, even though Buffalo lost. And it was a big game to lose. They were ahead most of the way, but it seemed to ignite them. And I think some of what they did against Kansas City last week, and yeah, they got a break on the offside call, which was a good call, but yes. still a break. I right. Mean, it, it, to line up that far out offside is just moronic. Yeah, it's ridiculous. Um, uh, but Buffalo also lost a game this year to somebody I think we know uh, with 12 men on the field mm-hmm. at the end of the game. With 11 men on the field, they would have won. So they lost to Denver. All right, they should have won. They beat Kansas City. All honesty, they probably should have lost on that play because it was a great play by Travis Kelsey to lateral. That was not part of the play no, design. that's just Kelsey he with a great improvisational that. choice. Yeah, reading, reading the play beautifully. That. And that was what I think bothered Mahomes, really deep down bothered Mahomes, that that won't be a highlight play well, now because it didn't count. I'm not going to pile on. Well, I'm totally going to pile on that, And that's I'm, why. I'm but, absolutely going to pile on the guy. Kadarius Tony also caught it. He hasn't been doing that that often. Right. He caught that's, it from that's Kelsey. True. That's true. Well, he caught a lateral. If he right. hadn't caught a lateral, it would have been a fumble. Right, but I mean, he actually he drops caught that a pass. One. It's not a Patrick fumble. Patrick Mahomes probably thinking like, oh, well, he caught one from like, somebody finally. From somebody. Well, it was a nice, soft pass that you and I, I think, could have uh, corralled. But hey, it's a, a separate issue, and I think I, I agree that they should blow a play like that dead at the line of scrimmage. In any, in any case, in any case, Buffalo easily could have lost that game. They won it, so... I think the way they're looking at it now, uh, against the AFC West, they stole one, and they also blew one. The team that, the team that frightens me, and we'll see them on Saturday before the Broncos in this chase, is the Bengals. Because I, I like the way Browning's yeah. played, but what I really like is Zach Taylor, who's a really innovative youthful he coach, is. 
and is. offensive coordinator, old friend, uh, on the coaching staff of the Denver Broncos from 2010 to 2015 in their Super Bowl year, Brian Callahan, yep. the offensive coordinator, starting to see his profile He's a good coordinator. potentially yep. being yeah, a head coach in the next coach. cycle. Yep. But but these guys on the fly, and with basically one one full week after they realized that you know Brandon was going to have to go forward, uh, they changed the way they ran the offense. The offense they're they running they really, is not they really the same nope. as it was with nope. Burrow. It's not. And, and uh, it's not. Taylor and Callahan did a brilliant job of immediately catering the playbook and the play calling to what Browning can do, and, and, and you saw him ignite. Because, of course, we know that the options played. he has he to play played. against. You know, he hasn't played, so how... And you get to throw to Jamar really Chase had a good company, feel I mean, for <laughs> what he was doing in limited reps in practice. Boy. Uh, and the, it, it was instantaneous that they made uh, these adjustments. It was wobbly. It the, is. The You're exactly right. Game, and then by the next offense. start, bam, different, different offense. Different offense, and Joe Mixon is coming on. Um, and he, he he was having a good year anyway, but he had to raise his game a little bit. And honestly, so did the receivers have to raise their game. And the offensive line have to raise their game a little bit. And the defense had to play better, and the defense is playing a little better. So, I'm, yeah, to me, Buffalo, Cincinnati, and Denver are right there of the six, seven, and six teams playing better than the other three teams are uh, right now. And the good news for Denver is they have a better conference record than Cincinnati, and as long as they keep winning in the conference, that won't change. And, and they beat Buffalo head-to-head. They beat Buffalo head-to-head, so they have that type record. So you you were you were picking the Lions in this one? I'm picking the Lions in this one. Well, I, every time I pick against the Broncos, the Broncos win. So I'm picking the Lions. How about that? Let's All see right. if maybe, I, maybe the, right. my reverse jinx will continue to work out. Uh, but real, you're really no, I am picking actually, the Broncos. No, I'm actually picking the Lions. I, look, I think the Lions are the better team. I have monumental concerns about the Broncos' ability to consistently generate points if the defense isn't getting turnovers. And the yes. truth of the matter is just to count on your defense creating turnovers in every and game. a fair amount of them, not just one. That's not really a plan. No, <laughs> that's, that, that's, no, that's no you can't factor that in. Right. And here for uh, the betters uh, in the audience, Detroit is 31-16 and 16 against the spread under Dan Campbell, Ooh. that's the second best record yeah, since 2021 behind only the aforementioned Dallas Cowboys. Wow. Okay. See? Wow. That's a that's a that's a great stat there, Sandy, for the, the Lions. And obviously we will find out because I, I I think I think we're on the same page. And the Lions are favored in this one by four, was it? I think yeah, the latest is now it's up to five. It's an even oh, it's five, five with an over under forty seven and a half. Boy, a lot of Detroit money coming. In. A, a lot of coming in there, obviously. But but you're right. You know that this is a game in which the Broncos are the. I think the Lions are the better team. I think they're at home. I, I think all of that matters. I, I, simply, they're the better team. But there are, as we've pointed out all week, there are clear routes to victory for the Denver Broncos yeah. that oh, do yeah. not require a massive suspension of disbelief. Uh, the, the, no. there's there's reasons to you know Jared Goff when pressured has not been good and he, they've been giving up pressure the worst time of the year that the Broncos are bringing heat in a way they haven't in years and it's been functional it there are roads to victory that, that are realistic for the Broncos but they can't they cannot afford to make mistakes Sandy they cannot afford to turn over the ball they have to win the turnover battle and they probably have to win it decisively we'll, we'll close out the week uh, with a, a paraphrase from my longtime friend Ron Zapolo. Um, and most of the time when Ron used this phrase, it was to say, I cannot concoct a scenario by which so-and-so could win this game. In this case, though I'm picking the Lions, 
I can concoct a scenario by which the Absolutely. Broncos could win this game. Absolutely. And so we'll find out if that happens. Of course, thank you for listening. We'll see how it all works out here for uh, Brandon Royval with UFC 296, for Mines Football, for their championship game tomorrow against Harding, for the Broncos against the Lions. The Avs have back-to-back Saturday and Sunday. The Nuggets get going. It is a great time to be a sports fan in Colorado, and we're glad you join us because we love to cover all of them as much as you love to watch them. So Danny Bailey's the man in the booth that makes everything work. Thanks for listening, whether it's FM, HD, Mile High Sports, or you make it easy on the Mile High Sports app. We'll be back on Monday. Enjoy your, your weekend. Be safe. We want to have you back on Denver Monday. Spotlight. And the Denver Spotlight Show comes up next. Sandy and I will step aside for that. But we'll catch you on Monday right here at Mile High Sports. Ladies and gentlemen, the weekend. <laughs> the fire in your eyes For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.